the privilege of meeting Freddie. So that would be amazing if I could. That's like me, yeah. I'd, I'd love to meet Ian Wright and everyone. Yeah, I used to always get number eight on my kits as well because of that. So who have you got? Who have you got? So my number five, I've got Dennis Law, uh, part of what Man United fans call the Holy Trinity of Law, George Best and Bobby Charlton. You know, won Ballon d'Or in their time and there was part of that. Busby Babes side uh, in the 50s and 60s. And yeah, this guy just used to score goals for fun. One of the best Scottish players of all time, definitely. And just just a clinical finisher, really, um, and achieved so much at United in particular. He did actually relegate Man United as well, famously. He went, he went to Man City uh, and he scored the goal that sent United down. And that's the last time that they've been relegated. But yeah, I think for what he achieved in that uh, Busby Babes side as one of the star players, he had to be in there for me. Yeah, um, I, I obviously didn't grow up in that era, but I watched a documentary on law and I think it was on Sky Sports recently or Amazon Prime, I, I can't remember. But yeah, like just hearing about his impact on United, the amount of goals he, he got. And then obviously, yeah, I was going to bring it up that he went to City and he scored that famous goal or infamous goal, depending on which side of Manchester you're from. But yeah, like growing up, you would hear about the Busby Babes and all that kind of stuff. And you would hear about Law and, you know, Bobby Charlton and all all that kind of like Man United legends. Um, and yeah, just a shame that I couldn't really like watch more of it, like and see more of those kind of things growing up. But yeah, I've, I've watched the documentary and yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a top top striker back in the back in the day so who's your number four we'll stay on Man United as he's got a Man United link but also hurts me because he he really was a catalyst for us losing the Champions League but Henrik Larsson again it's another player who I think is a bit underrated I think like the majority of his career playing at Celtic people kind of look oh it's the Scottish League but I don't think when he stepped into the Man United team or even the Barcelona team, that he struggled. He, I think he just stepped into it seamlessly. It looked like he belonged there. And for me, he's just an outstanding talent. And I can't believe like that he's not talked about uh, a lot more. But yeah, Henrik Larsson was a, a fantastic footballer. And like I said, he was a catalyst when he came on for Barcelona um, in that final. Yeah, he just kind of kind of toyed with us and uh, less said about that the better but yeah Henrik Larsson for me I think he's an oh. outstanding talent that's another one although what he did for Barcelona in that Champions League final again proper legend for me like um, so Celtic's my second team and obviously massive massive Celtic legend and I think what you're saying is, is right about what people are saying about only the Scottish League and, and stuff I think they do forget that that Celtic side, when they got to UEFA Cup final, knocked out big sides. They knocked out Liverpool. I think they knocked out Newcastle as well. And I think the year later, they beat Barcelona too. So I think the Scottish League was a bit stronger back then. And certainly Celtic and Rangers were stronger back then than they are now. And yeah, I, the thing I remember most about him, just so good in the air for his height. Like one of the best headers of the ball around. 
Yeah. And striking as well. Like he could he could strike it so clean and his passing, his vision, I don't know, he just Yeah, um uh, people said that he probably should have left Celtic a long time ago, like, you know, before he did and but for me uh, even still he he hit the level he was able to reach like playing for United and in Barcelona and what people might say he was already like past his or it should have been past his prank and he was still performing like that imagine imagine if he was playing for those teams like way before but I don't think you can take it away from him I think even playing for Celtic he was just outstanding mm. yeah that would have been that would have been something to say him and his prime in a, a Man United or a Barcelona but apparently Fergie did try to sign him a couple of times before we actually got him so he was, I think he was supposed to come around the time that like Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole and stuff were all leaving. So that would have been interesting to see what what he would have been that, like in the Prem back then. That would have been scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, good thing he didn't, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so who have you got? So my number four, this is really hard to, to rank him against the next two but I've, I've gone with him at four uh, it's Frank Lampard mm. one of the best goal scoring midfielders ever and that is probably lazy me to say just goal scoring because he could do so much more like he could pass he could tackle he could run really clever player too um, but yeah I don't know about you where where do you sit in the whole Lampard Gerard Scholes debate we'll leave Vieira out of it because I think I know where you'd go then. But <laughs> just talk about the three English ones. I've so Lampard, Lampard had them two, but where, where oh, do you so have? So you have Lampard, Gerard, Scholes? Is that what you have? I probably have Lampard, Scholes, Gerard. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I actually have Gerard, Lampard, Scholes. Okay. Um, mainly because I think, I think, you know, a lot of people forget how like not just goals but passing but box to box but like how incredible Gerard is but we're not talking about Gerard we're talking about Lampard but yeah so I'll go Gerard Lampard's goals but for me Lampard's a bit higher on my list but for me like growing up and uh, like you playing in midfield just the like you said he gets leveled with oh you know he's a goal scoring midfielder but there's so much more to Lampard's game I think he was so clever he was just in an intelligent football player. I think his evolution from when he first joined Chelsea to when he's their top goal scorer, I just think like if you're if you're a kid and you're watching that, I think that's such a like an example for you to follow. You know, because when he joined Chelsea, he wasn't a goal scoring midfielder. He was more yeah. like maybe like a box to box or like one of those. Um, players that kind of like do their job and pass it to the better players but I think he really stepped up and he became kind of like synonymous with those Chelsea league winning teams like if you think of Chelsea winning the league you think of that goal he scored against Bolton which secured the title for them or like the big goals in big games and yeah it's just a shame that England couldn't make it work in terms of like getting Skulls, Gerard and Lampard to work in that England, that golden generation team, but he was just a he was just a fantastic player. Yeah, definitely. And uh that's that's probably a debate for another day that 
that midfield. Yeah, but yeah Lamp- Lampard in his own right, I think, definitely needs to be getting on, on this sort of list. Yeah. So, so your um, number three. So my number three is, I don't think, now this is one player that I don't think is underrated. But I do think, like, with the level of where football is at the moment, he kind of, he might fall down some people's lists. Uh, but I take that more as, like, recency bias and all that kind of stuff. But it's Philip Lahm. Oh, yeah. He's my number uh, two. Yeah. So, like, Philip Lahm is just, or was, rather, just one of those players that, I don't know, it's hard to explain because he just could do everything. Like, he was quite diminutive um, in stature, but he was, like, outstanding. Like, he, I don't re- ever remember him really having a bad game. I remember, like, a lot of times Pep would put him in midfield. And mm. at first, when I was, like, when I first started watching, I was like, Pep's crazy. Why did he put him Philip Lahm in midfield? And then he just looked like he played there for the, his whole career. And... You know how good you have to be to just be, like, put in a different position and just make it look effortless? Like, Philip Lahm is, or was, rather, an outrageous footballer. Like, he was so good at everything that he did. Like, obviously, being small in size, probably not heading, you wouldn't, but, like, everything else, like, technical ability, passing, um, athleticism. He's just, he's just fantastic. He could read the game so well as well. Yeah, for me, he's just one of, like, you have to, if you're talking about lists, like, Philip Lahm has to be there. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you summed that up perfectly, really. Like, put him anywhere on a pitch, and I think he'll be able to do a job just because of how well-rounded and good he is. I think Pep said that he's either the best player he's ever had or probably the best defender, like, full-back he's ever had. And just, he's such a clever player. When when I saw him play for Bayern against us in I think it was a 2013 game he's the best player on the pitch one of the best performances I've ever seen from a, a like an opposition player there and yeah it's weird because like when he first came to prominence he was a left back mm. and then a right back and then yeah as you said uh, he got moved to midfield for a small while too and it's just hard to imagine anyone being able to do that yeah, like, and you're right, like, playing at left-back, amazing. Playing at right-back, amazing. Just, like, seamless transitions. And it's it's that kind of, like, professionalism that, um, you know, you don't really, like, see, like, uh, you're asked to play in a position. Some players might complain, but Philip Lange just got on with it and he did it with excellence. Like, yeah, mm. he's a top-quality player. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, he's, he's my number two. So my number three is... Michael Laudrup mm. so sometimes the old reruns of World Cups and stuff come on the telly I think in lockdown a few of them did and there was a few games from that Denmark side in 1986 and there was one team he absolutely tore apart I think they won 6 or 7-1 I, I don't think I'd seen anything like it until Iniesta in terms of how someone like dribbles with the ball but has also got the most incredible final pass too. Mm. And yeah, he played for a lot of the biggest teams. Like he was one of the few that went straight from Barcelona to Real Madrid, uh, a bit like Luis Vigo. And he played for Juve as well. 
Um, and he played for, I think he started out moving from Denmark to Lazio. So he's played for some of the, the biggest clubs in Europe. And his Denmark career, the only thing that lets him down, famously, he didn't, he didn't go to Euro 92 when they won it because they just got brought in uh, from Yugoslavia as like a best loser or something. And he obviously thought, oh, they've got no chance of winning. So I think there was like pictures of him on the beach or something like that. So he didn't turn up and they won it without him. But he still did a lot for Denmark. Uh, I think he got voted in the the team of the year, uh, not team of the year, team of the tournament at World Cup 98. And that was a good 12 years after that 86 World Cup I was talking about. So that's, that's really good longevity there. And yeah, he's one of them attacking midfielders that I don't think get talked about too much. Possibly because at Real Madrid, they didn't really stay there that long. And then they started getting all the Galacticos and stuff. But yeah, he was a big a big part of them moving to that anyway. Yeah, um, he he just missed my list. He was on my list, and but I had to make some hard calls. But yeah, like Laudrup was there. Like he's the first midfielder I remember that I um, that I would think like this guy. I probably di- didn't use these words, but like, this guy is silky. Like you just look at him; he's so composed. The technique, mm. like you said, the final pass. I think there are quite a few underrated L's in history but like Laudrup definitely like he should be talked about more like the stuff that he could do and uh yeah I mean I I don't remember too much about his Real Madrid stuff but like Barcelona I've seen a few things about him at Barcelona and the majority of the highlights that I've seen are from him at Barcelona and Denmark so but yeah like quality quality player yeah I think he's part of that Dream team Barcelona with like Stoichkov, Romario, Koeman yeah. and and stuff like that. So that was that was some side, but I think back then you could only get like two or three foreign players in a side. I know that was the rule in Spain anyway. So you had to be you had to be like top class to be a foreign player at, at Barcelona Real Madrid anyway back then. Yeah, like and, and yeah. And he, he he was he was so classy as a midfielder, yeah, top quality. Just missed out. Sorry, Lardro. <laughs> I think we do get some some views from Denmark. So yeah, maybe who knows. <laughs> so my number two was your number four. So my one is Lampard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we've spoken about him. So, uh, but yeah, like everything that we said and, and more. Like I just I'm a, I was always a big fan of Lampard. Hated that he played for Chelsea, especially as they started winning things, but yeah, you can't you can't hate Lampard like he's quality. Maybe not as a manager, but definitely as a player. So number one, uh, I think there's a big big name that hasn't been mentioned yet. So I think we might have the same one. But I'll go with Lewandowski. Yep, I've gone with Lewandowski as well. We finally agree. <laughs> it only took <laughs> two episodes and 20 players, but we finally agree. Yeah, I, this guy has been robbed last two years of the yeah. Ballon d'Or. Like, I don't get the, the last year one in particular, because all the big stuff like the Champions League and stuff happened. But yeah, they were just in the Ballon d'Or and they gave them some 
award what they just made up that year yeah. for him. Yeah, and he's been great, great for so long as well. Like I remember him like ten years ago at Dortmund, and he was doing bits there. There's four goals against Real Madrid in the uh, yeah. in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Dortmund team. I love that Dortmund team. But yeah, he was he was a killer for them. And then when he joined Bayern, I think he's just gone to another level. Like, I think he got to be seen as the third best of the Messi Ronaldo generation. I wasn't sure. Like I did think, oh, is it Suarez? Could it even be someone like Benzema? But I think these last two years, I think he's just gone to another level from the other guys. Yeah, I just think like the level of consistency to score that many goals. Like um, the season that he he should have won the Ballon d'Or, which they didn't do for whatever strange reason. He was top scoring every single competition he played in. Like that for me is just. It's incredible, and um, and yeah, just the fact that he continues to do it, like the the level of goals that, like some people might say, oh, he plays in the Bundesliga. I don't care. Like if you're scoring fifty goals a season, that's still special. Like if mm. if if the Bundesliga was that easy, then everyone would be scoring fifty plus goals a season. But he's doing Champions League as well. It's exactly, not like just the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, and it's like different types of goals. He's good in the air. He scored an overhead kick a few weeks ago. He can finish with both feet. He's always in the right place at the right time. Uh, it's important goals. And yeah, you're right. He, he was completely robbed. and um, Especially the, the year, the previous year. But like Messi saying like on the microphone that he should be given the Ballon d'Or for 2020. Some might argue, like we did a poll on our podcast saying like who deserved it more like Messi or Lewandowski and 92% of people said Lewandowski deserved it yeah so I mean Messi is go you know greatest of all time but Lewandowski these last two years has been fantastic yeah and he can score like all sorts of goals and he scores some absolute bangers as well Mm. in there and that I remember that Barcelona game where they won 8-2 and he only got one goal, but he seemed to be involved in every single goal, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's not just the goals. Like, he, he gets a lot of assists slash, you know, build-up play and, and things like that, too. So, he's a very well-rounded striker. Yeah, imagine it all could have been really different because he almost signed for Blackburn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? Was it, yeah, was it the Ice Cloud or Ash Cloud or something that stopped that? Yeah, 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 yeah. He he didn't find for Blackburn, but yeah, Mm. yeah, tremendous player. But I was desperate for Arsenal to sign him when he was at Dortmund, but obviously they will go to Bayern, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, it's annoying because like I remember he was in his he was coming up to his final year, and I just thought, yeah, let's just bid bid a load of money for him then, because I think Goethe had just announced that he was going to go to Bayern. And he did, and then Lewandowski went. But it was a weird one because I think he knew, he knew for like pretty much the whole season that he was going to Bayern. It was announced really early compared to most mm. most kind of things. But yeah, fair play. Like I don't know if Dortmund would class him as a legend because he left like that, but he did he did give Dortmund some great great times as well under Jürgen. Yeah, he was he was part of the the team that won two titles there, wasn't he? Yeah, and got to yeah. the Champions League final, so yeah, I'm not quite did there. Yeah, I think I think they should. 
I know it, I, maybe it's one of those like when you retire they'll be like oh yeah he was great but now yeah. it probably hurts a bit too much because he always scores against them as well <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad uh, we finally agreed on one but it was a pretty big one yeah <laughs> number one choice and yeah, yeah. I, this is I mean, for me probably the first one that come to mind uh, I think with all the Ballon d'Or stuff happening too like he became at the forefront of of everything too um, mm. in the media and whatever. But yeah, he's well deserved of that number one spot there. But yes, Junior, thank you again for coming on and helping out with Podmas Day 12. I'm sure guys listening have, have listened to yesterday's podcast, uh, the K episode, but yeah, feel free to sort of plug away your your podcast so if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast go listen to it um but yeah i run a podcast called we'll talk about that later and you can find us on wtatl official on instagram and twitter and if you're on tiktok we're on tiktok too that's wtatl dot podcast but yeah thank you so much for having me on it's been a lot of fun i know i said it yesterday but reminiscing about different players of different eras and yeah it's just been it's just been really quality having these kinds of conversations because we're often so trapped in just talking about what's happening in the moment and it's good to reflect a little bit sometimes yeah definitely definitely and then just end by saying uh, happy podmas happy podmas